podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I am Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Hey Amanda. Hello. Welcome back to a special, kind of a first time episode here for us. Mm-hmm. Forging into new territories, conquering new mountaintops, pick another metaphor about nature, insert there. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, pre- didn't pre-write those, so those are off the cuff. If you're listening to this episode, you have found a book recommendation episode, which is a perfect starting place for our podcast. As I mentioned, we are the Lightly Literary Podcast. We are a book club podcast, and today we'll be recommending a book that you read with us over the course of the next two weeks. So again, if you're a first-time listener, you have found the perfect place to start. We do have social media accounts up at Instagram and Facebook, at the Lightly Literary Podcast, all one word. So if you can follow us on there, that would be greatly appreciated. And also, we do update those feeds with reminders of what's coming up, posts about the books we've done, and kind of reminders of, yeah, what's going on and what we covered. So give those a follow. And as always, we appreciate likes and subscriptions on any podcast platform where you found this. Tell your friends and family. We make a great free gift, though the books do <laughs> those come at a cost. <laughs> or, you know, use your public library. And then they don't. Anyway. Yeah. Today, as I mentioned, we'll be recommending a book that is a graphic novel specifically. That's why I alluded to the fact that it's a first time, because on the podcast we've never done a graphic novel before. This was the first go. The graphic novel that I chose was called is called, rather, My Favorite Thing is Monsters. It is by Emil Ferris, and it is pretty breathtaking work. We'll get into the details of that in a little bit. First, let me read from the cover, at least the back cover of it, just to give you a sense of what it's about. Actually, I'm going to have to read from the inside cover. Got to open that bad boy up. This is a heavy tome. <laughs> hard, to, hard to hold in two hands. You know what I mean, Amanda? That is, yep. Yeah, I had, to, I had to rest this one on my like thighs when I was reading it. It's the best way. Yeah. Kind of pick a precarious spot for this to rest. Anyway, yeah. um, just to give you a sense of what this book is about, let me read from the cover and then we'll discuss more today's recommendation. This uh, reads, quote, Emil Ferris's debut graphic novel, My Favorite Thing is Monsters, is a murder mystery, a family drama, a sweeping historical epic, a psychological thriller about monsters, real, real and imagined, within and without. Set against the tumultuous political backdrop of the late 1960s Chicago and narrated by a 10-year-old Karen Reyes, Monsters is told through a fictional graphic diary employing the iconography of B-movie horror imagery and pulp monster magazines. And then it talks about the precocious main character and... It has a lot of adjectives describing the art. I'll pause there just to say it. It is all of those things. It's many genres wrapped into one, and it is a graphic novel presented as this 10-year-old girl um, who loves art within the story. She's an artist. It presents it as her diary, so that's kind of the format of it. What we're going to do today, starting in just a second, is we're going to try and persuade you to read this with us over the next two weeks. We'll be doing some deep dive episodes on the book and discussing it in detail and reading it alongside you. So our goal in the next 20 minutes or so, roughly, is to persuade you. The first segment we will deploy to do that and to hopefully persuade you to read My Favorite Thing is Monsters with us is Rapid Fire Recommendations. This is where each of us has pre- prepared five responses to you should read this book if, and then we'll comment on those briefly. Amanda, why don't I throw my first one at you and see what you think of it? So yeah. let's go. Let's get into the Rapid Fire segment. I think that a reader, or you, the listener, will speak directly to you. <laughs> I think you should read this book if you love pen and ink art. So true. And even if you don't love it, it's so compelling and great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Beautifully done. 
Okay. Uh, you should read this book if you enjoy graphic novels, but also want something more artsy and less cartoony or traditional as far as the graphics are concerned. This could not be further away from a Sunday's funny page. It just could. It just could not be. There's no. I can't think of a graphic novel that is has more artistic difference and creative difference in distance rather from a Sunday's funny page. So yes, very well said. I think you should read this book if you're familiar with and perhaps a bit bored by graphic novels and comics. Nice. Yeah. So. I, I think that you don't even have to be familiar with it, but because I, I definitely was not. But if you are bored by graphic novels or think you would be, this would definitely be a compelling read for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you should read this book if you love mysteries upon mysteries upon mysteries. <laughs> yeah, I think the genre tropiness of it, it certainly didn't break me because this is a masterpiece I enjoyed at every moment. But there... It's it is filled with so many, maybe too many again for my liking. But it has at the core of it a murder mystery. Then there's familial intrigue. Then there's neighborhood stuff. Then there's friendships. It's it's it, all of the relationships and all the plots are complex and have. I, I guess I don't know. I don't want to make it sound overwhelming either because it's really not. But it definitely relies on things being murky, things being uncertain, and so at the core of it, it is a murder mystery as well. I think you should read this if you like horror movies for reasons beyond feeling scared or terrified. Which is hard to imagine. I do have a friend who is like that, and I just don't understand that. But yes, mm-hmm. this, yeah. this, this is about monsters. It has monsters, but it's not necessarily scary. So mm-hmm. um, You should read this book if you enjoy art. Yes, actual art, because she does actually recreate some actual art pieces. Yeah, I'd go so far as to say... I don't think it's, well, let me back up. I don't think it's necessary to know a lot of the illusions, but there are lots of them. And one of her go-to kind of almost like, it's like a rhetorical trick she does, artistic trick, stylistic, is that she uses art from museums, famous pieces, and kind of reinterprets them and then has the characters talk about them. That's a kind of a key plot point, actually, for a couple things in the story. So yeah, it's definitely got plenty of actual fine art and art history illusions to it. So there's that. I think you should read this book if you love tattoos. Let me actually throw in two gaudy tattoos. (laughs) Or just tattoos. (laughs) That's so great. I do love the tattoo art in here. Um, You should read this book if you feel like you have to hide yourself or adjust people's perceptions of you. Ooh. I won't say much about that, but yes, it's also very much a, you know, identity is with many works of fiction is kind of a core theme, but this is also a growing up story, 10 year old main character. So it's a lot of figuring herself out, a lot of figuring out not only herself, but also her place in the world and what the world should be like and is like. So yeah, a lot of that. I won't say more to avoid spoiling. My final recommendation, quick one, you should read this book if you are the type of person who likes to stop and discuss artwork that you see in a museum and not just you know, walk through. Yes, I 100% agree. I went one time to a museum with my daughter when she was only like six months old, and it was um, my favorite artist, um, and uh, who's Salvador Dali. So I went to that mm-hmm. one, which is in like St. Petersburg, Florida, or something like that. <laughs> and I really wanted to like talk about the art, but I mean, my six month old dollar, like, what's she gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, look at this. Isn't this beautiful? And she's just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. I'm hungry or sleepy (laughs) or pooping. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, I agree. If if you want to discuss art and you appreciate art, yeah, this is definitely a great. Novel. That's not a great audience. Yeah, that's the really the antithesis of that option. Right, truly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you should read this book if your favorite thing is actually monsters. And they come literal and metaphorical in here. I will say, this isn't a spoiler, but the main character always portrays herself as a monster. She usually like a were person. Is that what we'd say? Werewolf? Yeah. yeah and she's, so, she's like the, the wolf man in transition. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, it's both literal and metaphorical. And again, just to avoid spoiling, which we never want to do in the Rex recommendations, obviously, I just won't say much more. It's a good way to put it. Um, let's move on now to the reading similes, a bit more of an in-depth segment paired with that one. We are going to compare reading this book to something else and do an extended simile, talk you through it. Amanda, what did you find reading this book to be like? Uh, reading this is like wandering through a garden hedge maze. Hmm. You want to find the end eventually, but it's enjoyable just to wander through and be immersed in the beauty surrounding you and the different paths with different flowers, scents, and all that stuff. So hmm. just it you you get pulled along in this novel to the end, and you definitely want to read the end. Um, but it's just as enjoyable to like stop and and really enjoy the visuals and really like take in everything that's happening with this this graphic novel. Totally. And it it even works well as a simile because I think it will not even be as enjoyable as it could be or you're you're you'll find maximum enjoyment if you don't just try and scheme it and game it and just get out, you know? It's mm-hmm. you have to kind of revel in that process to I think yeah. to fully you know, quote unquote, enjoy it. So perfect simile for this one. Mine is probably the most basic one I have ever done. This is the most boring simile ever, but I'm going to rock with it and we'll <laughs> talk through it. I said that reading this graphic novel is like, and again, this is the all time least interesting one being inside a person's head. That's what I think it's like, which to be honest, I think it's the highest praise I can give any work of art because it's something that's so wholly made and it's such a total vision it really does feel like it kind of encompasses and represents in literally any way I could think to categorize it, a person's worldview. Like it, you really, and again, I don't know if I believe that a person of 10 years of age could make this, but that doesn't matter. It definitely represents how she sees things, the way she views it, the kind of, the art underscores every thematic and character-based thing you'd want it to. It's really just a total vision of how this person would process things. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, and it is meant to be that way because it's written like a diary. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's even like she purposefully makes each page looks like look like it's a notebook. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's very fitting in it and we do get a great sense of who the narrator is for sure. Yeah. The cohesion within that narration and kind of how the art underscores all of that and how it amplifies things. It's really almost, it's just almost perfect really is. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go so far as to say perfect, you know, I'm going to step away from the edge on that one, but it's (laughs) basically is (laughs) about as close as you could hope to get. I think, especially of a work of 400 pages or however long this ended up being. So any other thoughts on the similes? Nope. 
All right, let's move now to the final couple segments. These are going to be a bit more detailed just to give you more specific sense of what the book is about, how we responded to it. We're going to start with our scripted pitches. These are roughly 200 words. Mine are always over. Amanda's generally uh, on the word count there. <laughs> luckily, there's no cut. <laughs> luckily, I'm the editor as well as the writer. Anyway, but yeah, we've prepared some statements in advance. We've prepared some writing in advance just to read to you something more coherent and thought out. And so, yeah, we're going to talk you through what we liked about the book or why we'd recommend it. I guess I'll go first. I just alluded to the fact that I went over, so I'll put the burden on myself to go first with my scripted pitch, if that's all right by you. Yeah, sounds great. I did a classic thing for me now, a now classic thing that I've done before, which I've split my pitch into two for two different audiences. So if the first audience isn't you, then just hang tight and I'll get to your audience in a second. So first pitch, this is for someone who does not read graphic novels and maybe never has read one. If you consider just the economics of this, that a purchase of a graphic novel is also an investment in not only a story, but also in art, in visuals, right? I really don't think you could do better than this because each page is not just panels like in a newspaper. It is like a masterpiece of art making. Almost every page, literally. I mean, if of the 400, maybe there's 50 that aren't and the rest are. So if you're going to wade into a world and get lost, this is your chance. It's like an investment in, again, a lot of fine art almost. I think it also helps that the narrative is no slouch in this. It's a mystery-focused bit, and the narrator is kind of this curious and precocious, determined kid. So they both of those elements make it a pretty page-turning. Uh, it's a book that invites page-turning, rampant page-turning. I would warn you, of course, then to beware as well. Take time to savor it. It's an unpredictable and sumptuous journey in these drawings. You really don't know what you're going to get on a page-to-page basis. And there's a lot of details, motifs, ideas to savor, to contemplate. So although the plot wants to push you forward, I would just warn in advance, just take your time with it and enjoy it. The book reinforces, if nothing else, the unique appeal of graphic novel pacing, which is just, you kind of have to set your own pace almost. You can read the 400 pages in a breeze if you really do want to, but I think it's more rewarding if you take your time. And again, just consider what you're investing in. Many, many artistic masterpieces. So that's my pitch for you. And then for graphic novel readers, a slightly different pitch. I think this is the masterpiece to break you out of a rut. If you're just stuck reading Marvel stuff or maybe you read a lot of manga or series or something, you should just do this, if nothing else, to know what the genre can be and what kind of the heights it can reach. If you, like me, enjoy visual storytelling of a more kind of like fantastical or sci-fi bent, which when I do my graphic novels, they're mostly that those genres. I think this is an incredible option because it, while it's a real story that's grounded, it's historical fiction, the narrator's unique point of view renders much of it in a fantastical and horrifying way every you know it's very much of it literal things or monsters the kind of neighborhood creeps there aren't just leering creeps they're mole covered trolls with these lulling tongues her friends aren't just companions and friends they're monsters like frankenstein's monster and they're also ghosts these kind of you know really sunken sullen ghost figures and even the narrator isn't just an odd lonely 10 year old she's a werewolf in disguise a person who wishes above all else to become like the monster she kind of idolizes and studies and so it is literally fantastical in the way it's built it's also a pretty delicate world building so it's got the riotous 1960s backdrop and it also if you can stomach another one of these narratives it is also a nazi germany story so i i i don't mean to sound that tone as if that's not crucial but i also think we get a lot of that in our storytelling media but it's a well done version of that as well so it's, it's got things you'll be familiar with maybe some new things as well and this book just really sings i think it could pull you out of a of a graphic storytelling rut if you're in one 
Those are my two nice. pitches. I went way over on this one, but I did want to hit both audiences. So yeah, that's I, and I definitely fall in the category of the first audience there. I've, I've mm-hmm. barely read any graphic novels, but I think it's a good point that the the way that it's set up is that you can zip right through this book. Like I mean, in a day, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Entire thing. But why would you? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, it's it's a fascinating progression of, of images and visuals that just, I, I could not imagine not taking the time to look at each picture in detail. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's good advice. And Take it's, time, you could maybe speak to this better, because again, you have um, a little less experience with the genre or something, but it does strike me as the kind of, again, almost like, crass to put it this way but an investment where you could pull this off the shelf and just show a guest at your house or a stranger or something just a couple pictures and really tantalize them i bet i mean it's just some of it is just so intense and so well drawn and everything and so detailed that it's just kind of Mm -hmm. devoid of context you could just be like look at this troll look at this she at some point draws a monster based on a heart called air air tox or aerotox or something it's just kind of like look at this look at this valentine's day card aerotox heart monster like i don't you you could just do that for a lot of the pages in here and it's so it just really invites reading it invites curiosity which is kind of perfect for the themes so anyway well on to your pitch amanda again i know i went over on that one but i wanted to hit both crowds yeah you're good um If you think that graphic novels are just glorified manga and comic books, this novel will prove you wrong. The storyline explores multiple mysteries with two narratives and narrators, while each character, even minor characters, is given life and meaning beyond basic archetypes and tropes. Ferris makes her characters and their characterization even more unique and nuanced by imagining a monster counterpart for everyone, which is accomplished beautifully and often subtly through her delicate and vivid artwork. Her visuals are truly works of art. Fans of art would definitely find this work compelling as Ferris showcases her own style while also including several examples of famous works of art that she then reimagines in her own style. Mm. I was immediately pulled in by Ferris's striking artwork and I found myself pulled along by the mysteries and complexities of her characters. And I think that you will too. It really just helps, I think, that... If this art was put on, let's say, a quiet suburban story about a ten-year-old who's, you know, growing up in in rural Maryland and just kind of has a quiet life and doesn't, you know, it's a more staid story or something like it would still work. But I think the the dual pitch, you know, or the kind of the way they layer on top, right? It's mystery plus breathtaking art, or it really reinforces the intensity of the scenes and kind of the, I don't know, almost not ramshackle nature of the setting, but it's, it's intense. It's grimy. It's, I think grotesque is what one of the reviews said. And it's, yeah, it just, it all comes together so perfectly. And it's good that you can have both, right? You don't have to choose. You don't have to, there's a graphic novel I'm thinking of right now that I've really loved. I would say it's 90% because of the art and then the dialogue and stuff. It's a little overdone. The story's a little, a little heavy handed, but the art is like just remarkable. And this is, you don't have to worry about either, you know, you get both. So, yeah, really well said. Any other thoughts on the pitches? Uh, nope, I'm good. All right. Our final attempt at persuasion is coming up then, folks. We're going to do a quote for clarification, though this time we're going to rework that a little bit. This is like the only segment that doesn't work well <laughs> that we had to, that we're doing just a touch differently, not even that differently. 
I think for this segment instead, we're just going to do a page. So we've each thought of a page of this that really worked well. Obviously, we can't show it to you, which is frustrating. But if you're truly curious and you think this might be, you might be into this, you can just Google reviews or you can Google pages from it. It's not hard to find online. Like people have scanned in things and you can, it, it's very Googleable. So it was critically acclaimed. But I think we'll each do our best anyway to pick a page and describe it, just tell you what's on the page, do our best to convey the image and kind of the themes that are happening, the character moments, whatever. We can also read, feel free to read off too if you pick some dialogue. I think you did. So you can definitely read that and describe it. But yeah, we're just going to do a little page description, give you a sense of some of the characters and stuff in it, and then we'll go from there. Amanda, do you want to start with your page or quote, however you approached it? Yeah. Um, I chose when um, Karen and Franklin are in the art museum because Franklin is my favorite character. And um, the pictures are, this is an example of um, Ferris recreating these works of art, these beautiful um, 18th, 19th, 17th century paintings. And then she's... (laughs) Um, in, she's changing it so she recreates it and then in the corner next to it there's a picture of of um, Franklin as mm. that um, in that portrait instead of the person so which is which is great it's, it's playful but it's also um, a great way to show the characterization of Franklin and um, Franklin says uh oh the painter knew this sister. He was boasting. Just look at that sleeve. Fur-lined with soft, sat- soft, soft satin. Scandalous. And another thing, you can tell the painter thought this woman was sexy because she was smart. Look at her hand poised against her cheek that way. This sister was a wild thinker. So the, the characterization is just dripping off of this page, both through the visual and through... Um, the dialogue there with Franklin, and yeah, yeah. I thought that this was just a perfect example of 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 Ferris's skill in developing her characters and and maintaining the reader's interest in both art and also like the the people who are involved in this in Karen's life. Yeah, and the way that ah, it's hard not to spoil things, but I think we, we yeah. came without. <laughs> But the way that the museum and just sort of Karen, obviously this is a time before many images, they have a TV in the story, so it's not, you know, it's not 300 years ago, but it's, they obviously don't have internet or things like that. So it's just her, the way she processes the world, these trips to the museum, these memories she has of art, these recreations are very meaningful to her. These images are something rare that she gets like spent, she spends a lot of time on them. So when he comes in with his interpretations and it sort of underscores things about him and everything, that's a great moment in the story. We both, I think, really enjoyed that. Excellent pick. I'm going to do a pick from earlier in the story. This is kind of a one to two pager, but I'll be brief about it. The mother character is really important. Karen's Karen's mom is really important in the story. And when she's introduced, she's chasing, well, not introduced for the first time, but one of the early scenes with her is her chasing off some leering neighborhood creeps, potential kidnappers even, who are trying to lure in a woman who's in distress and is um, running around um, partially undressed and is kind of, yeah, like clearly lost or having some kind of episode and these two men try and take advantage of her and that with the way they're drawn is they have such grime on them, they're, you know, there's lines all over them, they're very gritty looking, very disgusting and just kind of like oversketched and then the mom comes in contrast, has this kind of 
she's looking up almost at the camera kind of tilted sideways has this very insightful knowing look in her eyes and she's drawn by comparison really delicately not as harsh not as line based not as rough and then on the next page she gets kind of a full page spread and they're drawn as like cockroaches and it's really common in the story for karen the main character to interpret people in her life as monsters in this case bugs they're kind of these cockroach hybrids and her mom's like dominating them she's like huge on the page and they're just these little things underneath her and yeah it reinforces her character really well shows her protective side and it also again it's all interpreted through karen's lens her worldview she's obsessed with monster stories and kind of pulp be horror stories and movies and everything magazines and so it's just a great not introduction not only to her mother but it underscores how some of the art can show the grime of the situations the grotesque even really horrifying things that are going on but then there are these beacons of light and i felt like in that scene the way her mom it just has more of a subtlety to it it's a little lighter it's not as intense not as line heavy at the, her you know portrait and it just uh, she really does shine through like a beacon of light in that scene so i thought that was a page worth pointing out and it's the art is doing things like that all the time in this story it's true yeah like everything has is just dripping with meaning yeah purpose definitely definitely and i would encourage you for this very unique scenario where we can't show you you know we can only describe so much right so many adjectives to exhaust i would encourage you to look up the cover alone could probably give you enough of a sense of its you know detail and intensity and everything but if that doesn't do enough again just look up any every review that i read included some scans and some full page scans and shots you don't even have to read the reviews out there if you don't want things spoiled or any clues or hints or whatever just scroll through look at some images and i'm sure you'll get a decent sense of it so any other thoughts on the pages amanda or any other noteworthy things from the book to to warn people about or tell them about i don't i don't think so well as always i hope we did our best to persuade you dear listener i especially this in this case because one it's a new genre for us we'd like to do more graphic novels we'll we'll see if this was a popular pick though we did pick kind of a critical masterwork so we did starting (laughs) at the top you know we're not trying to pick something simpler or basic or something and then also i just think it's really worthwhile you know and I hope that the cover charge of a graphic novel doesn't fully put people off. I know that can be another intimidating aspect of getting into them is they're expensive, but there are other options. There, you know, libraries are always worth looking into. There are websites, you know, without naming them, support local bookstores, but they could sell stuff at a discount. Not even like the mega chains, but there's other places you can get graphic novels for cheaper. And then finally, there's obviously iPads and such. If you use digital, like almost always that stuff is cheaper on digital. And so it's more or more affordable, I should say. So, you know, I get that the the price tag cover might be somewhat off-putting for new readers, people who don't, who aren't into this, you know, lifestyle or don't enjoy this medium yet. But I just think... Given the virtuosity on display, is that a word? (laughs) Um, I think it is. It is now. Um, But yeah, given that there's just so much daring in this and so many pages of just full spread, incredible art that I don't, it's just, it's got to be worth the price tag, right? I 100% think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's and again, it is so far from a comic book panel from a Dilbert or whatever. (laughs) Shouts to Dilbert. Yeah. Or what's the dog? The dog that causes trouble. I have no idea. I, I was going to say, Sunday comics. yeah, I, I actually did when I had a certain job in college. Anyway, 
we'll get a story for another time, anecdote for another time. <laughs> I had a couple summers where I read them basically every day. So anyway, <laughs> just small amusements, you know, things to get you through. Anyhow, yeah, hopefully this was enough of a persuasion for you out there, listeners. If not, though, well, I apologize and we'll do better next time. We do have other books that we've chosen and they are coming up in a certain order. Let's talk about that order quickly. We'll give you a little preview. Um, you can keep your eye on the podcast feed for these reviews coming up. We do have, after this book, The Gunslinger by Stephen King, which is the first in a series. We're just doing the first book. After that is Field Notes from a Catastrophe, Man, Nature, and Climate Change by Elizabeth Colbert or Colbert. I think it's Colbert or Colbert. And then Burnt Shadows by Camilla Shamsey. Got it that time. Mm-hmm. Not not yep. to be, you know, fool me once, shame on me all the time. <laughs> anyway, those are the next three books we have coming up. We'll obviously have book recommendations up in the feed for those, so no need to really worry. As long as you keep your eyes on the podcast platform of your choice, you'll be fine and we'll be keeping you up to date. Amanda, before we go over time, any other thoughts on My Favorite Thing is Monsters by M.L. Ferris? Um just i mean it's it's such a great read and and there is a volume two that will be released at some point that we We hope eagerly awaiting so just be prepared there is a second volume (laughs) yeah prepare for a cliffhanger this was clearly planned with another in mind so it's fully satisfying on its own but oh no 100 percent hard cliffhanger so yeah prepare for volume two anyway (laughs) until next time listeners we appreciate you listening as always and we will see you between the pages 